Hi and welcome to another episode of Wine and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang and you're listening to the TL podcast where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. Welcome to another show of Wine and Wisdom, where the wine lets uh, us unleash us and we tell the truth. Yeah. But it's also where we just yeah, take news and we, we spin it. We spin news and we have a look at the spins in the news, right? Because they sell us too. And we in sales, we need to know when we've been sold. All right. So what's big this week? And the biggest this week again is three people out of uh, this group forgot to send the wine yesterday at the right time. <laughs> this one Only because you've, you, you live in with the judge, mate. You live in with the, the adjudicator. That's not fair. No, it's not true. If you, if you really want to check, but if, if you want to check and see that I send a photo of the bottle, say, I want to check. And if I have sent it before midday, then you will have to shout us another bottle, Chris, which, by the way, we still haven't received. What, it's I would rather, what I would rather check is the origin of the wine because I've seen your wine fridges and there's a very good chance that he walk, takes four steps to the right, opens the door and says, Charlotte, take a photo of this one because I don't know how to work the camera. Well, mate, listen, you've seen, you've seen the, right? the garage is way closer. <laughs> <laughs> to me, right? <laughs> so, all right, so let's have a look. Three of you are in competition. Let's have a look. Cam, what's your wine? Uh, am I disqualified or not? Well, you're going to be disqualified soon. So what's your wine for this week? Well, I thought I was disqualified. So I've actually got... Oh, I always get the camera wrong. Single file. Single file Chardonnay. And it's you know, this is me without... And it's 2012. 2012, right. So here's me going... Oh, Denmark. I haven't had a wine from Denmark before. Well, when I read the label, it's Denmark, Western Australia. So um, <laughs> this is a Vivienne Chardonnay from Denmark, Western Australia, 2012. And because I thought I was disqualified, no, it didn't cost under $50. I thought I was already gone, so I'm going to enjoy my uh, wine. It's normally a $100 bottle, but I got it for $64. And... According to the guy at uh, Old Phil Cellars, it's actually one of the rare times you'll be able to find it at a shop because it's a cellar door release only normally. Um, and it, my friends, 4.6 on Vivino. Yeah, but hold on. People voted. One? Hey? How many people voted? Uh, okay. Until we see it because we need to see it. All right. Anyway, I, I'm full full disclosure because we don't want a repeat of last time. I thought I was out of the competition, so I blew the budget. I'm not cheating. I just I wasn't competing. So if you're not competing, you may as well. So enjoy your cheap shit wines, people. I'm living the high life today. It looks good, Cam. Enjoy, mate. It looks good. I've earned it. Uh, I've got an old favourite, actually. I've got a Tim Adams Aberfield. Shiraz, 2016. Um, yep. Now, it's what you pay for the wine, not what the advertised price is. Is that true? Right. It, was advertised at, it was advertised at over 50, but I said to the guy, I said, look, I'm sorry, I'm in a podcast. I can't spend any more than 50 
goes, I'll give it to you for 45. I said, deal, done, I'll take it. So, uh, wow, I, I don't know about those rules now, but uh, we, we, we need you've to use uh, you, you the money. Same, you've used the same fucking loophole before, Luane. <laughs> no, right. absolutely. What do you mean, these rules, mate? You made them. I bought the six models, I got the five percent. I've been to yeah. uh, shut it. Sounds like Trump here, seriously. I'm on Chris's side here. You can't pull that shit. So, I um did forget. <laughs> my wine yesterday on my way home so this morning at about quarter to six i was on click and collect liquor land trying to compare against the vino to see what i could order um but i have got a saint hugo gsm from the barossa oh we've done that before haven't we is that a, is that a is that the shiraz or the cap set you can't say it gsm the amount of wine that we're drinking we're probably going to go I just asked a question. We just read a whole chapter on asking questions. And listening. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the same year. That's a GSM. We haven't had the GSM before. Well done, Megs. I was prospecting at quarter to six this morning, so I'm I'm committed. So don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you were. All right. What what are we we doing? Uh, man, I, I have the Kunawara, the musician, 2018. What is it? Uh, it's a cab Shiraz. It's a blend. It's quite nice. It's not a 2012, though, is it? No, it's your 2012. Oh, gee, man. That's the kind of bottle normally you keep so that we could uh, have it together when we hit Freedom Day. Thanks very much. There's one left on the shelf. If it's still there tomorrow, I'll grab it for us. All right. I can't believe you, man. All right. Big news this week. Big news. No more Gladys. What's going on? Nothing, Stas. That's for sure. Look at that. Oh, Oh, that's a nice color. I love it. Wow. But 2012, come on, taste it. Tell me, is is it gone? Is is it past its its best years? For Chardonnay, that's right on the cusp, right? That's oh like no, a... it's not gone. Oh, oh dear. I was I go and buy whatever they got oh, left. That's like that's like velvet. That's better than butter. That's go and buy not... whatever they got left, mate. Seriously. Oh, Christopher! Stop! Stop it! <laughs> I'm going to send it down the shop. You can speak. <laughs> <laughs> Click and collect, I tell you. So a big week, uh, we had, um, no, it wasn't only Gladys, we got some of the best last names in politics ever. Of, of um, Berejiklian, Barilaro, that was a good last name for politics, wasn't it? It didn't sound like a mafia gangster or anything at all. Oh, it's, it's a bit sad. I'd like to talk about a little bit about Gladys thing, you know. Okay, I get yeah. it. She, she broken some rules, and and I think that she was already on on the really tender hooks uh, probably quite a few months ago when they found out about all of these things that she's done with Wagga Wagga money, and but really there's some kind of vendetta, and and I can see that thing about tall poppy syndrome happening again. You know where we we go after the people who've done well, who really work hard. And we give them heaps. And the day that they resign on Friday afternoon, I think, everyone's crying. It's like, and now it's unfair. How could she go at the time that is so, so important? Everyone's now saying good things about her. It's crazy, isn't it? Isn't that human nature? It's, well, politics is the one 
it starts with politics and the game of politics, you've got to chop down whoever's on the top, regardless of whether they're in your, your party or not. That's just... Right? I'm not politics, I'm talking about us. I'm talking about people like us. Oh, I still think the majority... Look, anecdotally, I sat with someone yesterday whose father died because... Um, died a couple of months ago because Gladys... They cut elect elective surgery and he had a 70% blockage in his aorta and they considered fixing that as elective surgery and he died two days later um, so there's there's a large portion of the population who are happy she's gone um, for everyone who put a flower outside her you know her, her front door so I don't know I mean there's always you, you, you can't argue TL there is talk poppy syndrome no doubt but I I don't think it's a case of everyone thinks she shouldn't be gone. I think um, it has been funny to watch some people who are like this and, you know, the government this and the government that, and then a, a change.org petition comes across my Facebook saying, save Gladys, it's not the time to go from the very same people. I, I have a bit of a chuckle. But um, I, look, I, I, want to ask, I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this. She, she was asked to step down because something her partner did, right? And they say that she would have known about it. No, no, no. She was, no. So, yes, her boyfriend was found to be corrupt, but she's being investigated for giving him and his electorate $10 million worth of grants that were previously denied. So, right, yeah. Um, okay. yeah, but here's, so, yeah, it's all poppy syndrome in society, but we all, we all try to be pretty stringent on our values here. If you're innocent, do you resign there? Well, I think in her speech, she said it very clearly, is the fact that she said if, if uh, any one of her, uh, her, her parliamentary members were to be investigated, uh, that automatically would ask them to step down. That was basically prerequisite of being in the party. She said, I have to lead that decision, and that's the rule for everyone. Um, so, uh, you know... But federally, federally uh, Liberal Party, Christian Porter... When he got accused of rape, didn't step down. He just went to the back bench. He's now resigned because the hole kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But I just think if you've done nothing wrong, like really done nothing wrong, you're not giving up your post that easily. I mean, the Liberal Party in New South Wales is a funny one. Look, Barry O'Farrell quit because of a bottle of wine or got forced to stand down because of a bottle of wine. So that they... Like, if that's all it was, but that was the story we were told, which seemed a bit of bullshit at the time. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head there, though. It's what it's what we hear. So you know what you've heard so far about Gladys, but I'm sure there'll be a lot more that comes out one way or the other. You know, it's interesting, Chris. We spoke last week about the ramifications for lying and how the people who lie get to the top, and maybe we should try that on. And uh, then, you know, a week later, the most the leadership of the Liberal Party's quit. But here's the here's the rub, right? Gladys has the choice now of $200,000 a year for the rest of her life or a $2 million payout now. She's 51, and once she turns 55, that $200,000 a year turns into $407,000 a year for the rest of her life. So guilty or innocent, eh, why, why put up with the pain? I'll just take, I'll just take the payout. Thanks for coming. I did see a, I did see a very funny meme on Twitter that was from a Gladys Berejiklian uh, um, parody account that had a picture of the Penrith Panthers winning the comp and it said 
Ah, oh, I remember when I used to be Premier. <laughs> because the Premiers, when you win the comp, your Premiers, your Gooses. That was funnier than it looks. You're just not sporting people. Oh, yeah, be right. quite I think the thing is, though, she's always, she will now always be remembered for the one that quit when the times were tough. Hmm. No, I, listen, I, I think that if you've done the wrong thing, it's it's going to, you're going to have to fall. The uh, only thing is how, do you remember, even we played a video about her. So everyone's got that side. And then after the person's gone, we go, oh, maybe we shouldn't. You know, it's it's a funny thing. Anyway, she's now been replaced by a new uh, premier, Stephen Thompson. Uh, the... Uh, uh, <laughs> Kimberly Burke called me and she said that Stephen Thompson is now the new Premier of New South Wales. <laughs> Listen, you know, I don't know. It's not, it's not often we get personal on this podcast, but I showed my wife a photo and I said, how old do you reckon that bloke is? She said, oh, 49, 50. He's 39, that bloke. Is he? He's 39. He's got six kids. Mate. He's got six kids. I don't know how. Look. The amount, of time, look 39. <laughs> the, amount of, the amount of time he spends on the workbench, I don't know how he's going to run the state. But um, Not anymore with six kids. <laughs> it's funny. When he came on the news the other night, I actually said to Pete, God, that guy reminds me of Stephen Thompson. Not actually how he looks, but just his, like, um, stance and his yeah. body language and all that kind of oh, stuff. Anyway, great. today we, we were watching it. It came on and Kim goes... Oh my god, he looks like Stephen Thompson, and we both just started cracking up laughing. I'm like, that is so funny because I only said that the other day. We obviously haven't seen Stephen Thompson lately because our mate is looking a lot more like Wolverine than he <laughs> yeah. is like the Premier <laughs> of New South Wales. So. No, I'm not allowed to see him at the moment. Too far. <laughs> not in my postcode. Oh well, listen. I, I hope he's going to do a good job. We'll. Um... I think so what happens though? So the leader resigns, the deputy leader resigns, the transport minister resigns. What are we in for? What do we reckon is going to come out in the not too distant future? Because it's all too, all too neat. Um, Barilaro said he quit because he was getting picked on too much on social media and different bits and pieces. A bit of a coincidence two days after the premier quits. Transport minister went very, very quietly. So that's the, you know, th three big, big names in the that are running the state are gone. Does it have anything to do, could it have anything to do? I'll put my tinfoil hat on with what's about to happen with they've they've said we've all got Freedom Day coming up shortly, but that's sure to change. And they didn't want to have to put up with the consequences of that. I don't know about the, that, mate, because this this morning's I don't know if you've seen this morning's pod um, uh, announcement from uh, our new Premier, Dominic. No, nah, some of us have to work for a living. How do you say his last name? Perrottet. Perrottet. He He's doubled he, He's doubled the amount that we're going to have at a home. He's doubled the amount that at a funeral. He's opened uh, swimming pools and indoor swimming lessons. A lot of the stuff that he's implemented is to push the economy to start functioning again. But that's also going to push the cases to go 100 times what they are now. Okay, so on, on that case as well is that he didn't have with him um, Kerry Chant. The health minister wasn't there at the, the, the um, press conference that he held at Olympic, um, uh, Olympic Park where they have the COVID um, centre. 
So there's obviously, I think, a little bit of pushing and shoving within the party, and he's wanting to show this and maybe get the popular vote with the, 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 the audience. Um, I'm going to open up. We've got to get back to normality. And he's pushing that while everyone behind the scenes is going, mate, slow down a little bit. So I think within the party, there's a little bit of uh, turmoil. I think if he, if he was going to come out and make any changes to that plan, though, they had to be in the positive. If he came out and made a change that was retracting any of what had already been announced, it would be a really Absolutely. silly move for someone just taking on that role. Um, and he did guess. I very rarely watch them because they normally just go around and around in circles with the same stuff, but he did get slammed by um, one of the particular journalists that was there and continually asking her, asking him why um, Chant wasn't there and, you know, did she approve of it and was it endorsed by her and all of this, and um, he, he danced around it a fair bit actually. Yeah. Um, so it was it was just interesting to watch even the body language and the interaction of the people behind him because most of those people other than um, Hazard hadn't you hadn't really seen them much before. It was like a full fresh approach to the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, I think they got. A, I, I think they all jumped off because they know that they were about to open up. They know that we're probably going to have to lock down again before Christmas because of the huge surge in case numbers, and they thought, well. I'll take me 400 grand a year pension and uh, be done with it. Do you see Palaszczuk is now saying we'll open up, but I want you to pay for all the uh, new hospital cases that we get? She's good. She's red hot, Palaszczuk. Like us, as in New South Wales. She wants the federal government to pay for all the infrastructure to uh, keep all the... That's it. Her demand, I'm not opening up until you give us more money. What a... Anyway. Unbelievable. I, I don't. I, if there's anyone, look, I'll get in trouble. It's okay. If there's anyone I want to punch in the throat, it's her. Mate, to be able to let bloody sporting teams, their families, the support staff, and so forth to come and hold grand finals, but let let their own residents back into the state, into their own homes, mate, that's criminal. How did South go in the grand final, Thomas? By the way, South went uh, actually very, very well because we bet that we were going to lose. We put the all of that money on the on the lock. <laughs> so we made a huge, huge amount. It, it actually, it's a very good. Um, it was an amazing game. I I thought whoever gambled that night, they probably were uh, on what is it, the tender hooks until the last minute. Mm. And, I didn't uh, know who I was going for until the last fight. Like it was just. It, it was just crazy. It was a fantastic game. Listen, the best team won. The, the, the same thing I said in semi-final, best team won. What to me was really uh, resonated with me was the, the speech of the captain, even though we, they lost. The way that he spoke, it's, to me, was one of those games where I remember more the speech of the losing side than the speech of the winning side. And that, to, that is crazy. And he, so he played his last game for South. He, he should have been a one-club player, but inexplicably they've let him go to the Broncos. He missed a goal that he'd normally kick 98% of the time from the sideline. He missed the field goal at the end, and you could see at the end he, he was taking the whole lot on his shoulders. And um, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible feeling. I haven't done it in the NRL before, but I have lost a grand final before through my own fuck-ups for a team, and it's the worst feeling in the world and to see what he was going through and I, yeah he um 
I used to hate South. I'd, South were my team. Now it's Parramatta, the team I hate the most. And then we sponsored them. And because we sponsored them, we got to go to a few events and mingle with the players. And he was one guy made at the, their season launch that sat there with me and Dillo for almost an hour, just answering all our drunk questions, not judging us, not, not being too good for anybody. And um, he's... He, He's a leader, that guy. He, he's a, he doesn't talk a lot. He's not loud. No. But he's a leader. I really, really got to like him. I, and I thought that was a great speech. Now, you know a lot about uh, what's going on in the NRL. Uh, so why would South not give him three years, but give Cody Walker three years? They're both 31. No one, no one knows. Right? So no one can work out why they've done it. Their, South's excuse was, first, his age and that he's had some injury troubles and they're not sure whether he'll make three years. And, and you've got to go back a bit of context. They paid, they, they gave Greg Inglis a massive contract and he got too injured and had to medically retire and they had to pay out his whole contract. They gave Sam Burgess a massive contract and he had to medically retire and they had to pay him out. So the general thought was they're a bit gun shy, but, and only did I realise a couple of days ago watching NRL 360, Cody Walker's exactly the same age. Um, and they've, they've basically got rid of Reynolds to be able to pay Cody Walker his money because of the salary cap. So no one really knows the, the true story. There's, there's suggestions things might have been going on behind the scenes. One of the things with a footy club is if you get rid of a player, you've got to have someone to replace them. And South obviously think they've got someone there who can replace Adam Reynolds, and they probably didn't think they got someone there that can replace Cody Walker. Right? So they have Cody Walker didn't debut until he was 26, which is very, very old for an NRL player to play his first game. So he's only been having the shit beat out of him for five years, whereas Adam Reynolds debuted when he was 17 or 18. So he's had the shit beat out of him for. 13 or 14 years now, which is a huge toll on the body. Um, but for culture, for leadership, for everything to do outside of, for his skill, like no one can kick. It's hard to explain how important kicking a ball is in rugby league, but no one does it better than Adam Reynolds. So there is, I, I can't, I can't answer your question because it makes no sense on so many levels, so many levels. Yeah. Um, Oh, well, I, I didn't celebrate, obviously, uh, the, the loss, but you must have celebrated Tom Trubojevic uh, winning his uh, medal. Uh, yeah, I did, but I, I still... They're, they're a bit political, the Daily M's and all that sort of stuff, so I don't get too wrapped up in the, the player awards, but I was still disappointed. I think we should have beat South the week before, but I think the best story to come out of all of it, and we can take it from an adversity point of view for what we do with work, is Penrith had the best attack for a lot of the year and the best defence, and they were absolutely killing everyone. And then all of a sudden in the last month, they fell off a cliff. They couldn't score a try. They couldn't score a point. And everyone was like, well, what's going on? Have they left their run too late? Um, you know, and everyone, that's why people gave South half a chance because South could score points. And it didn't come out until after the grand final. There was five players on the Penrith team that shouldn't have been playing. The fullback, who was one of the best players on the ground, had a broken foot for the last month. There was a guy with a torn MCL in his knee. Nathan Cleary shouldn't have played 
after the state of origin because his shoulder was that banged up. As a team, they hadn't actually trained as a team for the last three weeks of the competition. And when you can't do that, there's no continuity. You can't play football. Brian Toto, I, I, I did my syndesmosis in my ankle in my last ever game of football. I had, um, I had an operation. I was in a moon boot for three months. I've still got four broken screws in my ankle from that operation. He played the fucking grand final with it. He played the last two games of the comp with it. And, it, and everyone sort of on Adam Reynolds and Benji and all the stories about South, but what Penrith were actually able to do from a team culture standpoint and the adversity they were able to overcome, and they're 20-year-old kids, mate. They're not old. Nathan Cleary is 23 years old. He's already won Origin. He's already won a comp. He's already represented Australia. He's 23. And that's some of that stuff. Those, those guys all grew up together in Mount Druitt. We know Mount Druitt from our area about, you know, how disadvantaged a lot of that area is. Penrith are a great story, great, great story. And the, the culture and the, the bond and the, the sacrifice, you know, one of their players could have played, but he was slightly injured and he knew there was a young guy who could have played just as well as him. So he said, I'm not going to play the grand final, put this kid in. Well, that doesn't get spoken about. So, um, which, which I want to ask you, and, and this is no boasting, because I, I just saw one, one of the uh, message from Amanda, our team member in Kilani Vale. Doesn't that remind you a little bit of that Kilani Vale team? Three people, one that was in PR in a medical company, two kids, one that was in, that just left school, the other one was a plumber. And, and yesterday, you have a look at the team. Wasn't that a, a winning team yesterday, Cam? It's a winning team, 100%. Mm. And the energy. So these guys have won, you know, Penrith and the team, that the Penrith team have won together in the under-16s and they'd won together in the under-18s and they'd won together in the under-20s and they'd grown up together winning. And because of that, they've just taken the biggest fucking title of all. And because of that culture, people were willing to play injured for each other. And if you relate it to work, people are willing to come in on their days off to cover other people in, our, in, in that Kalani Vale team. People are willing to come in when someone from outside their office is sick to cover other offices. They're willing to do the work and get around each other and celebrate together and win together. And because of that, they'll be unbreakable. And because of that, they'll be unstoppable. Okay, so so let, let's go back to the those kind of things. Is it Nathan Cleary or is it his father, the, the one that we need to celebrate? No, we need to celebrate what the club, it's, it's everyone behind the scenes there. It's not... That, as I said, those guys have been winning together since I was 16, but they've been winning together as part of Penrith. So not only have they been able to keep them together, they've been able to surround them with excess together. They've been able to... They'll be tested now because once you win a grand final, everyone wants more money or everyone gets offered more money. And now's where the, now we're going to find out where the culture's really at. But to get five people to play, you talked, we had a joke before about you might like running around on one leg. They had five people play the grand final on one leg or one arm or one something for each other, you know. And they'll all go off and have operations now and some of them won't be able to walk or move their arm for three months, four months, five months. So it's not, it's the leadership. If, you, if you're getting at is it leadership or is it the players on the field, the leadership, but the leadership start in the front office, not just not just the first port of call, which is the coach. The coach, he'd been only been back for a couple of years. 
and the coach before that. The, the coach, the standards that they've set, the coach before Ivan Cleary got sacked when the team was running fourth. The team was coming fourth in the comp and they sacked the coach because they knew there was more to come and they didn't think that the guy coming forth, getting him to fourth was going to be able to get him to number one. That takes, that take like, we'd all be happy here to be top four, right? In, in any competition, we'd be happy to be top four. They sacked the bloke who got them to top four because they knew there was more to, knew there was oh. more to squeeze from the lemon. Ferrari, let go of Michael Schumacher when he was second. Yeah, but that's and that's but that's standards, isn't it? That's drive and performance. That's that's um so look, yeah, look whoever whoever it is behind the scenes who managed to convince or, or created a culture where five blokes would play when they should have been in hospital, that's something you can only hope to achieve. And and you see the I suppose we've got to be careful, TL, not to not to come across as bragging or boasting. But you see the green shoots of that in what we're achieving or what we're creating with with our guys there. Yeah, yeah. but Meg, there's also big rivalry between your two offices in Gorakin versus Charm Heaven. How is that going? So is there one that is south and the other one is uh, Pendrith? How do you guys manage that? Because and, and, and how do they still think as one team? Um, that's a really good question. I think because they still do so much as one team, yes, you know, there's certain boards that will show them as two teams or as, or as two groups of individuals with teams within those teams. Um, I think it's all the things that you do in between that actually give them that, that bigger sense of contribution. Um, so yes, you might sit in a certain office, but you know, if you look at the numbers of, of what's done in terms of listings and sales and things like that, very, very few of them would be done by, you know, everyone selling their own stock or each office selling only the stock within their office. Um, you know, people buddy up between the two offices. So if someone's going out to a listing and they think someone else in the team um, would be, you know, a great help to get that listing on or might have a bit more experience in that field, they'll buddy up, they'll team up to go and get that listing on board. So, um, yeah, look, there's definitely the element of competition, but there, there's like that in any great team, I think, even whether it be a sporting team or, you know, a work team, um, anything. I think you've got to have that healthy blue collar kind of banter um, because that's what that's what pushes people outside of their comfort zone. That's what makes people feel that bond, you know, to, to feel like you're part of something bigger. People don't want to, there's only so long that I think people or most people can feel like, um, you know, they're the top dog or everything's about them. I think majority of human beings and COVID's probably brought it out more so than anything um, is that, you know, they, they want to feel like they're part of something bigger. They don't want to be isolated or singular. Yes, they want their individuality. They're all different. They're, they're all very different. Um, and they've all got their quirks and their things that tick them off or make them happy or certain things that'll push them more than the person that's next to them. But overall, I think um, that's what, that all contributes to part of a team culture. You know, yeah. if you're playing for the Panthers, 
and you can see the bloke next to you, you know, with the broken ankle or, you know, the whatever it was that he played with, that's got to be inspiring. Like if you're there going, shit, I'm buggered, like I've got nothing else in the tank to give, an old mate's over there with, you know, a bunged up leg or a bunged up shoulder and he's still giving it all, what what excuse have you got? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've got to have those people around you to, to push you, to make you want to do better. I'm going to be more specific, all right? Give me a second, okay? Kurt is first on the leaderboard right now as number one. Cam is second. How is the team taking that between that kind of competition now? Because it's no longer Gorok and Chamem, and it's now, hold on, our team versus some idiot from Cario in Kiraniver. So how, how do we take that? Is there uh, that kind of focus? Because I know in our team, <laughs> the only one is watching this. He he's now he's now thinking, I I can do this. I can actually numero uno. <laughs> numero uno. Yes, you know we spoke about that. Yeah. So how how is Kurt taking that? I mean, we we, we just finished South Penrith, but let let's have a look in real estate because real estate agents are driven by that. We, you can't say to them, well, you know, don't go for that and this, you know, just go against your best. I, I That's what my belief should be. It, we should go uh, against our best. Real estate agents are not interested. They they want, they want would rather you utilize the second best, but crush the competition. That's how they are, right? So what do you think Kurt is thinking right now with Cam? Really, it's not hot behind him, but it's coming. Oh, that's a good question. I think if you asked me about someone else in my team, it would probably be a different answer. But Kurt, I think he's he is very competitive, um, but I think he's more competitive with him himself inner than he is outer. Like yes, he, he, pardon. Rubbish. Come at me, Bradbury. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he does. He loves to be <laughs> you know number one and stuff like that. But I think. He's a Bulldog um, supporter. He's had nothing to celebrate all year and I'm going to crush his dreams this year. Come on, Bradley. <laughs> Get him on here then. Give him a ring. Ask him. How's he feeling? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny. Part of it is uh, two things. One, I just want to pull Thomas up on something. He says being number one doesn't matter, but he's created a system where there's four scoring points and they're ranked one to 10 or one to 20. So clearly he knows that some people care about being number one otherwise you wouldn't have those scoreboards there I, I said I get that but it doesn't matter to me it gets that yeah and then everyone and then you and then heaven forbid you want to be number one but there's I'm a scoreboard there that says <laughs> you have to the other thing I was going to say when, while Meg was talking before it's I don't think we can shy away from the fact that the results for winning in real estate the the rewards for winning in real estate are pretty substantial yeah as from an income point of view from a from a um there's a very very tasty carrot at the end of that rope so competition is one thing but managing to do it in a way or managing to foster a culture in a way where people won't step over the line and do anything to win at the um cost of their values or doing the wrong thing that's a that's a completely different kettle of fish so i mean thomas and i we got it easy we got three people and they're all awesome humans but there's three of them you got 48 megs how 
do you guys manage? Because there's people that are going to want to step over the line. The, the carrot is so big. Yeah. You, talk oh, about, you talked about no one getting to sell their own stock, right? That's got to create some angst on the people. You know, you go out to a listing and someone's coming straight in behind you to sell it on you. How do we? How do you manage the... So they do, they do get the opportunity to do, to sell their own, and obviously they do at times, but what yeah, I'm they saying... they got 30 is, seconds. they got 30 seconds from the time the ink dried on the agency group. But at the end of the day, it's what's best for the owner. So if I've got someone to go through my own listing and you've got someone that's coming through and your person's going to have more money or better circumstances for my owner, then at the end of the day, that's what we've got to do. I, I understand um, that, but how do you keep the team buying into that? Because let's be honest, the difference between 60% and 100% is substantial. So yeah, I'm asking, like, you, you do a great job of it, obviously, otherwise there wouldn't be a business there. So I'm after clues on how you, how you do that because 50 people all fighting for the same carrot it's got to yeah. get interesting, yeah? I suppose there's a long history of rules. So the rules have evolved over time with the business. So what it was originally with the original setup with one office has to be different once there's two offices or three offices or, or multiple offices. Um, it has to be different in different marketplaces. So having those clear rules that, you know, get looked at regularly if, if a situation comes up that's never come up before, we have a sales leadership team that will sit together and, and take feedback on board from the team as well. Um, but look at those rules and say, is it still relevant? Does it still apply? Does it need to be changed? Or does this situation just get dealt with within the rules that are already there? Um, so that's one part of it. I think being quite um, strict on those rules, like you've got people like Kim, Kurt, Matt and Sean, the whole four of them that are in that leadership group They've all been around for a really long time. They understand what the expectations are. They know what the rules are. They've been there. They've, they've started at the bottom. So they've been that new kid that maybe someone that was there for longer than them tried to put it over them or say, oh, hey, you know, that, that really should be mine and had, had maybe tried to take something from someone new that shouldn't have been. Um, so they all understand what it's like for the new people to come through. Um, and that's really important. It is. But the other part to it is, I guess, bringing on new people regularly because we all know as you bring new people on, different dynamics, different, um, you know, uh, like, you know, you've got your millennials, you've got those new age groups coming through that do push the boundaries. They do ask more questions. They are going to ask us why. They're not going to walk in and be a yes person and just say, oh, okay, if that's how it is, that's how it is. They're going to ask questions as to why. And that's a big part of it too, because you get to actually see things through fresh eyes when you get a new, when you get new recruits through all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Meg, I think that you just really gave a very good summary of why Penrith is one. I think that there's a lot of rules in the Penrith team. The Panthers, I think, are very disciplined. They have a lot of fun. I think that you said it last week, you know, Cam, how, how refreshing it is to see a bunch of guys like having fun and running around and doing that stuff. I think there's there's regulation, there's rules, and and make you just summarize it very well. Can I just ask one question? Is your procedure manual easier to read than the 12 rules for life than Jordan? <laughs> I, I, I would there's go for another, no I would go for another 12 chapters. It's no. a 4,986 rules to working for Megan Green. <laughs> oh, well. No, no religion in there. 
That's for sure. That's nice. So I, I thought that, you know, this, this week with uh, South versus Panthers, there were so many lessons for all of us. It's all of us, you know. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. What's next? What's next on the menu today? Oh, what about the Facebook thing? Oh, I'd love calling out. Big news. Yeah, I mean, so, to me, it's it's nothing. I don't think it's big news in the sense that it's um it, probably a big surprise to anyone that that's what that kind of platform does. But I think the depth that she has brought to the surface is <laughs> is probably pretty alarming for a lot of people and and all of us on the screen have got kids so when they're talking about you know targeting um young girls and diet pills and anorexia and all this kind of stuff you think far out like these these girls they're they're already in a stage of their life where there's hormones and there's all lot, lots of stuff happening um and then to be copying you know, targeted marketing um, that is not good for them, that's scary. We, 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 we spoke about this a while ago. What was the movie? What was that movie that we watched on? Social uh, Dilemma. Okay. Okay. And, and we spoke about this back then about the algorithm that they use to attract. Um, and it's just not marketing. It's, it's other people's videos and feeds and so forth. Uh that algorithm can be adjusted to whatever you're looking at. So if I think personally, I think Facebook, Instagram, you know, Mark Zuckerberg for want of a, another target needs to answer to actually how this algorithm is working. Because if, if what they're saying is true, uh, I mean that there's a fault in the system, major fault in the system. The algorithm is changing so regularly. It's not funny because they're looking at, they're, an they're a media platform. It's like what we were talking about before. The news has always got their agenda and they're always going to push what's going to, you know, get the story or get the viewers or, or get all that kind of stuff. There's no difference for social media and what they're trying to achieve. Hmm. I, I, listen, no one, here thinks, no one here thinks it's good for you, yeah? No one... Here's the thing, like they've blown a whistle, they've said it's bad, we've seen the social dilemma which says it's bad. Is there anyone really sitting there going, yeah, all this social media is good for people anyway? Like, so to Meg's point where she said she wasn't as that surprised, is anyone really shocked? No. Is anyone shocked by the lengths? We just we just spoke about it. The, the carrot is that juicy at the end of that tunnel that, They'll compromise any of those. We just spoke about it in, in business. How do we, when the when the carrots are juicy, how do we stop people trying to take a bite at the expense of others? They don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. And I guess the, the probably the big part of it is that people that are working for them, you know, confidentiality clauses and all that kind of stuff would be huge. So for someone like her to come out and say what she said and for it to become such a public thing, um, I think is is just a sign of, her standing maybe for values or maybe seeing her own carrot <laughs> that she wants to get a piece of because imagine all the people trying to go to her to get her story like she'd be making some coin why aren't these people you know rocking the boat when they're employed why is it they wait till after they finish because she's not the first person to come out and you know and and spread the word of you know what happened behind the scenes why don't why they do why don't they do it earlier Security. 
security. So they, You're not, most people aren't going to bring bring it up and want to see have an it agenda, right? So they have an agenda to protect when they're employed. So maybe they've got another agenda, which is... They look maybe, back on what they were doing and can't reconcile themselves. Possibly. Maybe, maybe. I, listen, I, I, let me uh, interrupt you. I've got Alison here. Um, she, she just started with, uh, with, with me at head office, Alison Tan, and she wrote some nice things about, uh, I think it's the friendly competition that keeps the team growing and, and, and it also uh, it, it builds a bond. But I, I look at that and I go, Alison, you're listening. If you ever catch me lying in the business, let me know, I'll fire myself. But that's the level of business that I put in my business. Okay, I'm very small compared to Facebook, but I think that this, what, what it, is, it is, is that sometimes some of these leaders that run big organization, uh, they, want, they want to go for number one. And the number one is not enough because they're so scared of becoming number two that they want to build more of that gap between number one and number two because they want to become number one, but at a higher level. And they start doing the wrong thing. They start bullying their way around. They demand this. They want this. They want that. They start then to break rules and break values. And, and I think this is where we're getting at now, is that we're getting it to the level where Mark Zuckerberg is no longer like screwing two mates in order to steal the idea when he was back at university. He's now screw, trying to screw the world. Yeah. Uh, gee, we gotta have to be careful because we are live on Facebook, which means that <laughs> <we're gonna> have, <laughs> seriously, what did I just do? Do not put it on anything else. It's just one. So it's good while it lasts, it does. Let's, let's, let's have a look at this. How many of smaller businesses, because I, I, I think we've got no, not much of an idea. I wanted to talk about whistleblowers. How many companies that are much more in Australia in real estate that see their leaders do the wrong thing but are not saying it? How, While they're getting a watch. While they're getting a watch. Yeah, yeah. And here I'm telling you, one of my people here who's just joined me and she's she's just amazing. I can see it because I, I had a meeting with, with the team this morning and, and, and you can see in, in their eyes you know, when you have a good one. And she she's thinking about certain stuff and I'm giving her full freedom. You ever catch me lying, doing the wrong thing? Just tell the damn world because I find myself. But how many businesses are willing to do this? Yeah, you know, very few. Well, I don't know. You don't know. But we know, we know enough to know that it's probably not the majority. But he, so he's he is Zuckerberg, who's already making billions. I mean, mind you, he lost apparently nineteen billion dollars because of a power outage that just happened about two days ago. And he is, he's got system to find out like which. Uh, which fake news is actually generating him more income than anything else. And, and it's a, a lie, uh, but he lets it keep on going. <laughs> I mean, you have to make it, I, I don't know what it is. So, so those kind of things are big scale. What about small scale? We're running small real estate businesses. How often do we see the wrong thing being done either by our people? Because quite often I see also leaders in real estate doing the wrong thing by their team. And I think that if they do the wrong thing by their team, and I tell leaders all the time, I will always stand by the team. And 
and, and leaders who are trying just to keep team members small because they, they want to manage them. They want them to just be that gentle horse pulling the carriage for them. Uh, is that the wrong thing too? Because we, we talk about a big thing here. We, and, and the other bit, I also want to ask you guys, especially uh, uh, Meg, how does it feel to be a female whistleblower? I'm going to be careful because my son also taught me about a new word, which is that woke, don't ask questions that can be a woke kind of thing, right? So I, he is a lady for the first time, I think in a long time, who's coming out as a whistleblower against a giant. Well, I think the first part of it is that in our businesses, especially the size that most of them are, if you your staff catch your line, you're gone. They might not quit. They might not run away. They might not blow the whistle, but they'll take the wage from you for the whole time. They won't respect the thing you do and you'll have no authority in a real sense. And nor should you. Nor should you. Right? Yeah. If you're going to bullshit to the people that you're asking to... What do you call it, Thomas, the golden goose? The golden egg, the egg, the goose, the duck, the chicken. <laughs> anyway, if you're going to treat, if you're going to treat the thing that's trying to set you up for life like that, then you deserve everything you get. And the people who think, the leaders that think they can get away with it aren't, aren't and more fool them because the staff will hold them over a barrel, might not be now, but it'll, the time will come. And then what will happen is eventually they will leave and they'll blow the whistle at the same time. But you can't... Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. How, how about the whistleblowers, though, Meg? So how, how would you feel... Uh, I, I can't feel uh, as, as a lady, but how yeah, would you feel... feel like as, a as a woman, as a woman, uh, you leave the organisation and then suddenly you blow the whistle on the entire organisation and you've got a family. You, you've got children around you. You know, how does it feel? Um, I don't know. I sorry, think... sorry, Meg, this week is a lot of questions on you. <laughs> I, um, I don't know. We, you, there's been a few topics where you, you guys have asked me about, you know, as a female, what about the Me Too movement and what about this and what about women's rights? And I don't know. I don't really see any difference for if it was a male employee that left the business and did the same thing. Um, realistically, she's left. I've only read a little bit into it, so I don't know a huge amount about it, but I do know that she's obviously, um, she's aired a lot about what she's seen and what she's heard. Um, and, you know, it, it is alarming, but she's standing up for what she believes is right. You're, the reason I love you, Megs, is because there is no male, female, and you, you're just as equal as anybody else on the planet, and you'll own that, and you'll kick the ass of anyone who doesn't, right? Can you put yourself in the shoes of someone who's maybe not at that same standpoint where there is a gender divide and they've just come out against a, a huge company? And yeah, I can see how it would be extremely daunting from a female's perspective um, because of you know, keyboard warriors, I guess. She would have a lot of an army behind her, but she would also have a big army against her. Um, and that would be quite difficult to cope with. Um, I don't know her personal circumstances. She got, is she a mum? Like, has she got kids or? I don't know, but the rule of happy wife, no, happy wife, she's she's 
yeah look it's it would it would be a big um it would be a massive thing for her to be dealing with it would be a massive thing for any human being to be dealing with but like I said before there I'm sure there would also be a very big um, price ticket that's coming with those comments that she's sharing and I'm not saying she's doing it for that reason um but there would be a lot that a lot of benefit that's coming from her doing that and so I guess it's for her who knows she may not have had any any idea the enormity of what it would have gone to just by a, a simple comment I don't know how it started or where where it, where she even um what platform she used to even begin this whole thing but um yeah I, I think it's gonna it's gonna continue to be a big deal She's putting, I, I, I'm just asking this question because for a lot of women uh, it, security has always been uh, at paramount for a lot of women and he is a woman who's pushing aside her own security and bringing out something that's so big and her biggest thing is because she sees what's being done to the kids right and and so that is not just bravery that's bravery plus oh by the way i just want to say uh, i just saw mom in belgium uh, waking up to, sit, to to watch us so we are now in belgium thank you mom love you mom you're doing great Jay. keep watching wake up earlier we started four love you mom <laughs> you're light you're light what sort of example are you setting for your son, mum? <laughs> I think you can't estimate, you can't underestimate the risk either, male or female. Like we're talking Facebook and we may not think of it in the same parlance, but if this was China or this was Saudi Arabia or Russia, she'd be dead. Yeah. And she may, she may it's, still be. Yeah. There, there's, there's, they got just as much money as all those countries. She may be in a world of hurt. So, do you think? Um, do you think all the leftist movement and the woke movement and all the bullshit that's been going on for such a long time, which most of it's bullshit, but part of it, one of the happy consequences of it, might be that women feel more comfortable to come out now and speak up because there's such a big push now to for everything to be equal and his, her, him, they, us, it. <laughs> But, you know, because you probably never would have seen it. Like, we, we glorify Rosa Parks and the, the the few women throughout history who in times where it just couldn't be done did it, uh, uh, revered and, and glorified and, and um, idolised. Is it going to become more common now? And, and is it a good... Well, obviously, it's probably a good thing if it's more common now that everyone feels comfortable enough to come out and make those massive statements. I think um, with it, there's got to be, it's really difficult with any situation, whether it be, you know, what she's done with Facebook, whether it be um, like the Harvey Weinstein thing. It's it's difficult to know the intent behind what they've come out with because by the time we get fed it, it's gone through the media, it's gone through all these different channels and we get you know, their version of it. We don't ever really get probably the nuts and bolts of that person's original intent or that person's original um, purpose behind actually coming out with it. You Isn't know, it sad, though, that we all know, as I asked before, none of us are overly shocked that Facebook's doing the wrong thing. 
And because this lady's come out and actually pointed out, you've got people like Kristen Ola who are sceptical about her motives about doing it, even though we all know it's probably true. Right? We all know there's a very good chance that everything she's saying is 100% true. you still got people who go, well, even though it's definitely true and I probably think exactly the same way, I'm going to sit here and question her agenda and, and question um, her reasons behind coming out. Isn't that a sad thing where we're all thinking the same thing, but you've got people like Denola of the world who just go, even though I'm thinking the same thing, I'm still going to tear this woman down, asshole. Chris? Oh, no, I was just letting him have a rant. I mean, it's, he <laughs> likes the sound of his own voice most times, so I thought I'd let him you go. You sat there with your thumb up your ass for the last half an hour and all you've done is attack this poor woman Mate, who's I said saying what we all know to be true. We're directed to the lady on the screen. So uh, if we act like gentlemen, that'd be great to start with. Um, but, mate, at the end of the day, I, I'm just raising a question. I'm not questioning her, her motives. I'm just raising... You are questioning... You're fucking questioning motives. That's exactly what you did. mate. Shut up for a minute. Shut up for a minute. What were her motives? I'm not questioning your motives, but what are your motives? One minute. I ask you to shut up for what? 30 seconds, actually. That's all. As I was saying. um, (laughs) Go ahead. Where's the Jeff today? As I was saying was. Um, yes, I want to know what her agenda was. Was oh, it? That's a question, yeah. You're still talking. I wanted to know what her agenda was. Was it the fact that she wanted to actually release the information about um, Facebook, or was it that she was wrongly done at Facebook and she wants to get a, um, a get back at Facebook? Because you know what? If you're really upset about what Facebook was doing, why not quit earlier and do it earlier? Why not wait till now? Why wait till now? Why not do it 12 months ago, six months ago, two years ago? She was collecting more, she was collecting more evidence, Chris. I'm glad yeah, you're not, of shit. I'm glad you're not you questioning your motives, mate. Sorry? I'm glad you're definitely not questioning your motives. The thing is, she's going. as I just said, there's a very good chance she's going to wind up in a ditch somewhere because of what she's done. So that's not a doing it for notoriety thing. That's not a I'm going to get famous for doing this, right? That. You've got to understand when you fuck with these people, there's a saying, you don't fuck with the Russians. You don't fuck with people with this much money, the the Clintons, the Russians, the Saudi Arabians, the Chinese, you just don't do it because of the risk. You're just going to disappear. So, okay, uh, by, by the way, by the way let's, let's have a second. Let's have a second. None of, uh, none of uh, whatever Cam just said is endorsed by the Wine and Wisdom Group. We, we just want to let people know. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm a, I'm a, I know I'm a cynic, right? And I know that. And I put my hand up to be a, to cynical to things, right? But yeah, you, watch that you, you watch that movie Social Dilemma and every single person on there spruiking the negatives was employed, not currently is, or quit because of. No one said, I quit because they were doing this. I'm not saying what they're not doing is wrong. It is wrong. If that algorithm is actual fact, which I think it is, it's wrong. There's no question to that. But you know what? If these people had the values that they're spruiking, fucking quit earlier and start saying it earlier. None of those people are now missing, mate. None of those have gone magically uh, um, died in car accidents. 
Have you but put you yourselves in their shoes, Chris? Say that again. Have you put yourselves in their shoes? Well, earning millions and millions of dollars to shut up. And then when and when it becomes what at what level does it become all right now to say I've got enough money to to say something? No, they were collecting so, evidence, Chris. They were collecting evidence. The evidence looks like dollar bills, mate. No, no, that's that's because well, the they've been is... paid huge amounts of money, mate. As simple as that. They've been paid huge amounts of money. She's now not got a job. Now she wants to be paid huge amounts of money. I I I, I actually applaud the lady. Have you ever, let me ask you this: Have you ever been in a job longer than you wanted to be in before you finally made the decision to leave? Yes. So that's what I'm asking you to put yourself I think it's in there. Same for anything: jobs, friendships. Marriages. By the same token, I don't turn around and whistleblow shit that I should. Uh, I know. You fucking weren't working for Facebook. <laughs> Hopefully, you weren't working for a company that was killing young children. <laughs> Listen, the, the stats are undeniable. I, the, the I asked is it Facebook or so or society. The, sorry, is it Facebook or society? What's that? Because it's social media, right? Is it society or is it Facebook and Instagram creating the issue? Which one's creating the issue? The society or Facebook? Oh, it's a chicken or the egg situation. No, 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 no. Chris, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, need, I need to buddy no, no, no one. If society was doing it, there's no problem. But apparently, apparently, we have to be careful because this is Facebook platform. Facebook has got things that actually watches and calculate and see what is more in or for them or supporting their position, right? Therefore, great. they will generate that. It's and so I don't know it. So it would be like the, it would be like the umpire, umpire now calling the foul on your team more than on their side because he's protecting the other side. That's what it is. But now I, I ask you this: is it is it the is it Facebook or is it the parents' problem uh, not controlling oh. the use of? I'm, I'm asking. The do steps are undeniable. Thomas, no. Do you let your kids watch R-rated movies? Um, depending on whether it's podcast day or another day. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm Thomas, sorry, you you Thomas, you said you don't know, but we do know. The stats are undeniable. Since 2007 or 2011, sorry, when Facebook came about, 2008, the, rate, the rates of suicide in girls aged between 10 and 15 have increased exponentially like it's not a small thing it's Huge. more it's more than double and that my friend answers your question wait wait has been dying to talk there's obviously sexism happening on this one podcast because this lady's been putting her hand up and asking can you just make sure you put your hand up you idiot she, she just wanted a, no. She just wanted a jar of salsa open that she couldn't quite oh, get. Mate, I'll oh, open my dang. own salsa any day of the week. Thank you for asking. <laughs> you um, want to hit it? You hit it, and then you twist it. Oh, you get the knife. Um, no, you hit and twist. What I was gonna say was, Chris talked about: is it the parents? Is it? Is it? You know, kind of that balance, I guess of. Um, rules around how children use it and what what rules their parents give. And that's fine. Each household's going to have their own version of that. And you're never going to, that's going to look different in this house compared to the next one, compared to the next one. Um, but 
I think the big picture is if there's a company out there that is specifically targeting that age group and you know it's it's a different thing if you go if Chris when you go on and start searching handbags and you get face you get stalked around your Facebook or your um, internet with handbags that's marketing right but I keep getting ED ads why do I keep getting ads they go they go and use the exact same thing but in the worst possible way for young people and yes parents can have rules but there's no way that the rules that the parents have can stop what that platform is doing there's no possible way i agree with you megs but i ask you one simple question i ask you this if our child was being bullied at school whose fault is it no depends who you ask depends who you ask because you ask the child's mum and they'll say it's the bully's fault. You ask the bully's mum, they'll say it's your child's fault. You ask the bully, they'll have a different story. I say it's the school's fault. Danola, here's the thing. We can have, we talk, let's talk society versus social media. Society, young girl has a thought in her head, I'm fat. Facebook picks up that this young girl's had a thought in her head that I'm fat. And instead of her just saying it to herself, now, Every time she scrolls on Facebook, she's getting told in one way or another, you're fat, 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 you're fat. That's not a society problem, mate. All right? I have a thought in my head that I'm not good enough, but then all I do on the screen is get told I'm not good enough over and over and over and over and over again because the machine, as Thomas Lohuang would put it, has picked up on the fact that I don't feel good enough so I'm just going to manifest that and I'm going to turn that into something that was this and just a throwaway thought into this. I don't think any, I don't think any parent can control it. Okay. I, I agree with almost all of what you said, that there should you not should. be a company. There should <laughs> not be a company. Almost, I agree with almost all of what you said. There should not be a company that's allowed to do that. 100%. There should be a law against that. There's not, and there may be soon. But I agree with everything you said. What I don't agree with is this. I have a 13-year-old daughter. Right. I have control of what social media she uses. I yeah, have the really? Control, I have the control of how I speak to my daughter. I have the control of how I make my daughter feel as a person. Yeah, you do. But I, you're one voice. You're one voice. So no, when you, when I'm not subjecting my responsibilities. No, to I'm not passing it off. I don't give a fuck, mate. I can tell my kid how much I love him and how good he is at what he does a million times a day. Facebook can tell him two million. But now, when your you look at the screen, not to allow him to have Facebook. When you look at the screen, the clue, mate. do you know what your daughter's doing? Do you know what you do? You know what your daughter's doing when you're not around? Of course, I don't. Do you? Of course, no. Guess what? She, I have a rule. Guess Hang what on. she's doing? But I have a rule, mate. I have a rule. When she's in my house, I want to look at your phone, hand it over. I look at her phone. The minute she says no, the phone's gone. Mate, I've got the same rules, but they're kids. I smoked Dude, cigarettes when I was 12 sorry. years old. We're I didn't have cigarettes in the house. children's lives in our hands. It's our responsibility. I have my first drink when I was our responsibilities, mate. Listen. I agree with you that social media is wrong in what they're doing. What no I can tell you for sure is, Chris, when you hear 100 people telling you you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, it's not 100 people, it's just me yelling down the other end of the phone at you, okay? You're fat. 
I know fat, just like you, bro. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we can't, we can't fight. our responsibilities as parents. It's not such a game. No one has said, no one has said they're not trying to. No one has said the they're not trying to protect their kids, mate. No one has said the it. The unfortunate thing is this. There's a lot of parents out there that don't have the values that us four do with our children to hold that. Um, hold it doesn't matter. Up. I allow my son half an hour of YouTube a day. When he gets off YouTube, he's an imbecile. Right? That's just what happens. He's got to stop watching no, your and that's, no, and that's kids. That's kids YouTube, right? We're in a fucking lockdown where the only way he can interact with another child his age is to be on the internet and be on some fucking app that allows them to talk to each other. That is not subjugating my responsibilities as a parent. But you right? can, You're being unrealistic, mate. You are being so fucking unrealistic. I don't think I am. You're sitting at home, mate. You can watch your daughter every minute of the day. Me and my wife work full time all day. We no, can't watch all the kids ago, they go to school and they're given the apps at school. They're told to watch YouTube at school. You can't tell me that this but fucking problem of kids killing themselves all on the parents. There's also there's also software that you can get to stop them from um, getting onto certain uh, 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 getting onto certain sites and so forth. Um, but on, we're agreeing and on the I fact that the algorithm that they're using within social media is wrong, mate. You There's asked no whether question. it was society or the app, and I'm voting for technology. I think, it's a, I think it's a combination. We can't put it all straight on onto social media. We have People to didn't forget how to parent in 2008 when Facebook came on. It wasn't the fucking 26th or whatever of December 2007 where every parent went, fuck it, I'm going to stop parenting now. No, what happened after that was Facebook came along. What happened straight after that is kids started killing themselves, mate. But People you know didn't that get out of fucking No one knew what heroin did when it first came on the streets. No one did knew what crack cocaine did when it first came on the street. But you don't want your kids to take it, and you're going to take them out of those situations when they get involved in that, mate. So it's the same thing with social media. It's a combination. Take them out of that like, situation. It's a combination because when you're a kid, if your parent says to you, oh, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't do drugs, don't go out late at night with boys, whatever it is, some kids in their mind go, F you, mum, F you, dad, I'm going to do it anyway. So sometimes, it, and it's a hot, oh, God, I don't have all the answers and I don't that's think anyone on reds, that's all I can say. Start on no, the goal. Stay away from them, they're bad for your lungs. But um, it's all you can do as a parent is have the rules in place that you think are best going to serve your family and your child and hope that they're smart enough to make the right decisions in their life. Look, they are going to go outside the box. They're all going to go and maybe try drugs, maybe go speeding, maybe go racing in cars with their friends or jumping off bloody rocks into water that you would you shouldn't think they should. They're kids. They have to make mistakes for themselves. But what you're saying, Chris, is 100% right. You have to have boundaries for them and for your family based on your beliefs and your expectations. But there's this social media thing's a beast and it will, it will, yeah. You know what? You don't have control. Find its way to them. You don't have control of the people that your daughter's hanging around and what they're watching on social media. 
No, you're right, mate. You're right. right. So if fellas hanging around, six friends who have all got Facebook and they're hearing all day, you're fat, you're ugly, you're fat, you're ugly, you're fat, you're ugly, guess what's going to happen, mate? You know what I do have control about? I have control about the conversation that I have at the dinner table with my children. I have, I have the control about the conversation that I have with my daughter telling her she's everything. I have the control with my son saying to him, you know what, what people say here is their own fear. I have yeah. control of that, mate. I and don't have arguments with that, mate. Louder, is louder than their friends. If I have more influence with my, my kids than their friends. Please don't think that that's going to solve everything, Chrissa. No, it's not, mate. Please it's don't not, think that your talk at the dinner table is going to stop what the no, fucking Facebooks not, and the it's Instagram... It's a multifaceted attack, mate. It's a multifaceted... It's not, it's not something, it's a one conversation. This is a multifaceted thing, mate. There's it's many a well-meaning well parent who's had their kids fucking neck themselves, mate. Many. But, and there's no question. You know what, Cam? I, and I agree with you, mate. And knock on wood, I hope I'm not one of those parents, mate, or anyone, anyone that we know is, right? But at the end of the day, it's on us to do as much as we can to speak into our children's lives. And yes, I don't agree with Facebook or, or Instagram and so forth in the way they are, have this algorithm targeted at children. Please, I'll be clear on that. But at the end of the day, we can't default that decision to them. It's on us. How we can control that when we can control it. All if right, your son starts drinking, if your son starts drinking at the age of 16, 17, I know you would have, I did. It wasn't it wasn't to excess, but I, we, absolutely we had good times with our friends. Would, would you allow that and allow that freely, or would you speak to him and try and help him with that? Yeah. No, well, mate, it's a it, it brought up alcohol. It's a touchy subject for me because I started drinking when I was 12. Well, there you go. But, I, I waited a little bit longer. <laughs> what I'm getting at, mate, is we don't want to make the mistake of our parents, all right? I know I don't. I know Thomas and I have had many conversations about this. But at the end of the day, we have to be responsible for our children. And, mate, I, and like you said, there are well-meaning parents that kids, unfortunately, have gone down the wrong right road. Absolutely. It's very unfortunate because we can only do the best we can. And it's a... It's a Thomas. constant struggle. It's it's a, a, a continual fight. Thomas, your daughters have been unfortunately at a school where a number of kids have committed suicide. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Now you can can no well controls a fucking shit word because you can't control, but you can influence your daughter's opinion of that. Yeah. But are we? kidding ourselves to think that we as parents are stronger than Facebook and Instagram and the influence that they can have on our kids? No, we don't. Uh, I, I think that the question that I, I was listening to you guys and I was asking myself, are we controlling the consequences or are we controlling the causes, you know? And are we equipping our kids so that they can fend for themselves in society when we're not around or are we really cocooning them while they're around us? And I think that that's the question. I would rather equip my children for when they're not around me. I, I still remember the day, it, it was a few weeks before I left Belgium when I was 20. And mum was sitting with me and she said, Thomas, you know, I need you to understand this. I've been, we've been struggling a lot since we've been in Belgium. 
and 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 I've always tried to give you children everything we could give. So I need you to really understand this. You are not going to receive a cent ever from me in terms of inheritance. I'm thinking, what are you doing? I'm, I'm thinking already, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving to Australia, so my head is already there. And she said, I have given you my inheritance all your life so far. And it's something between your two ears. Whatever is in here, that is your inheritance. And I think that has really followed me. The, the trying to uh, stop children to go for something they're curious about, such as social media, which has a big pool, TikTok and all these things. I mean, and sometimes you see them doing all that. They move and dance, you know, and is, is for us something that we're going to lose anyway, because be, kids like this are attracted to, especially to things they can't. So I think that what's more important is to equip them with the ability to think and discern what's right, what's wrong, and no need to talk to me. And the other thing that I tell the kids, you know, just as much as I tell my staff about the day you catch me lying, I'll find myself. And I tell the kids, the day that I catch you lying to that, that's the day I stop believing in you or trusting you. Until then, you've got full trust from that. So it's up to them now to choose. But, and I think in, in that way, we equip our children to sit down and make a decision. And sometimes, just as much as the four of us and anyone who's listening to us, sometimes we make decisions that, uh, that we thought were right and it was stuffed up. And sometimes we make decisions that we were convinced that was the best decision in the world, only to realize afterwards that was the worst one in the world. So... Uh, what do we do? Do we cocoon them, protect them? Do we give them and equip them so that they can make the path? I, I think that that's more important. Listen, guys, we're getting to the end of our podcast. What, one of the things that I'm starting to get now a lot is uh, people asking us about what we should be talking about rather than some of the things like the news because we can't compete with the like of uh, Mark Zuckerberg, who can have like so many fake news versus so many real news. And so I, I was just thinking maybe for next week, we should really get onto talking about something and, and, and see whether they, we could really do a week of research on that. And the topic for next week should be about the rise of women's power in the world of social media. I think it would be a very good subject for us to think. And also, that will also give our audience the time to think about a little bit about this. What, what, is the, what is it about social media right now that's giving a rise to women? And is it right? Is it wrong? Is it, is it uh, out of balance? Such as, I, uh, it's, it's, it's not all right to have a gym just for men only, but it's okay to have a gym for women only, things like this. And, and maybe... That will be our first subject for next week. I, I think that there's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of anticipation for Megan Green. So, so I don't know, guys. This this is what's been all the, all the string bikinis in my Instagram story, furthering the women's movement or putting it back. <laughs> what are you searching? Sure not, I'm I'm sure mate. What are you searching? <laughs> I'm sure they're not doing it. I, I told you. I got, ED ads in my timeline and string bikinis in the middle. <laughs> the two don't go together. 
All right. Yeah. So listen, guys. Uh, thank you so much for this week. Let's put our head together. And next week's debate is going to be the rise of women, power in the world of social media. Thanks very much. See you next week. Goodbye, hey guys. Fuck you, Chris. <laughs>